It is the Brian Oak Show. What are we on? Episode 54 now, Sean? 54. Episode 54, beginning with the legendary German electro band, Kraftwerk. Or Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. That's with an E, by the way, because they are German. And now, to the modern ear, their music probably sounds very repetitive and very dated, which I suppose, in a certain way, it is. But without their groundbreaking work, and by the way, just like Gary Newman, they weren't always strictly techno. There's still guitar in there. There's still other instruments going on. But they are foundational. They are such a wildly important band, and people listen to it, and they're like, why? Did you ever like Depeche Mode? Did you ever like New Order? Did you ever like any band that blended sort of a driving, rhythmic, techno, krautrock approach along with rock and roll? If you did, then you owe Kraftwerk an impossible debt of importance. By the way, we are recording in the Smart Start MN studio here in the heart of South Minneapolis. I, I fight for them because a I actually te- I love them because I you know I went to raves in the nineties. Oh, yeah. I, I like electro techno, whatever you want to call it. EDM, you know, uh, intelligent beats. But the important thing to remember is it's all about context, right? So the reason we're talking about Kraftwerk is because founding member Florian Schneider has passed uh, at the age of 73. And apparently it happened last week, but they didn't announce it until just a day and a half ago. And this is important because without him, bands like New Order, bands like Depeche Mode... Joy Division. They don't come to pass. This sort of rhythmic, repetitive... But they were so far out the mainstream, and what's interesting is they went top 10, top 20, top 30 in a lot of countries around the world, not just in Germany. And what I mean about context being important is this is a band who went so far outside the mainstream. Well, David Bowie said the most important band of the 1970s. And I love wow. David Bowie. But, I mean, you have to you have to think about what's happening in the 1970s. The number one song in America for most of the year for the 1970s was Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille. Oh, my God. Uh, Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy, Elton John, Philadelphia Freedom, uh, Grand Funk, Some Kind of Wonderful, David Bowie's Fame, uh, Eagles, One of These Nights, John Denver's Thank God I'm a Country Boy, Bee Gees Jive Talking. Now, here's the deal. Oh, Carl Douglas, Kung Fu Fighting. I love every one of those songs I just yeah. rattled off, but you have to you have to have it in context. Kraftwerk had the guts and the vision to be like, no, we're creating something different, sort of a dystopian robot future, but also sort of a, a, an important cultural critique on mainstream society, and it it went on to influence literally countless numbers of bands. And what's cool is they do get the respect, I feel, because I've, I've heard different members of Depeche Mode, uh, as an example, uh, mention Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk. as, as a, a band that had a major influence on everybody. Like, they're trying to say, 
Listen to their damn stuff. They've got so much good stuff. And you don't have to love it, even if you no. find it boring. But again, that's why I feel like the context is important, because at the time, no one that you've ever heard of was doing what they were doing. And they continued to do it and continued to evolve and continued to get even more dark and cold and metallic and synthetic and robotic throughout the course of their career. I was lucky enough to see them years ago at the Myth Nightclub. And despite the fact that the Myth is a nightmare in Maplewood, uh. just to get there and get home and yes. the parking and all of it, just not a great place to see a show. It was one of the greatest concerts I've seen in the last 15, 20 years because it, it was just such a good night and they are so singular. I think that's what I like about them more than anything is not only foundational, but peerless. There's nobody else that's ever been exactly like them, even though they've tried. Modern bands like Ladytron, who I love dearly, don't exist without the important work of Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. You know what else doesn't exist? Now is the time on Sprockets Ven V Dance. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't exist either. <laughs> so, yeah, I just RIP to Florian Schneider. In fact, if you go back to um, one of Bowie's records, I can't remember which one it's on, but he wrote a song called V2 Schneider, which was a tribute to Florian Schneider. Wow. And they did the same thing. They wrote a song where they referenced going station to station, meeting Iggy Pop and David Bowie. So there was great mutual respect between those particular acts. And it's just, we lost a, a couple of big ones this past week. And we'll pay tribute to another one coming up. Also on the way, we are going to talk to a Minnesota woman who is a singer-songwriter. She is also an award-winning author of this impossibly brilliant children's book, called Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden. She is a breast cancer survivor and obviously a mom. Based on the title of her book, which was written largely with the help of her two sons, uh, Mother's Day is coming up this particular weekend. And we thought about calling our moms, but you and I just called our moms a couple weeks ago as part of our checking in series. Yeah, and I think that's all the love they need. (laughs) His name is Sean Bernard. How are you, Sean? (laughs) You know, I'm doing okay. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Kind of up and down, a couple of days. It's Same. just been swamped, um, which is okay. Yeah, I'm fe- you know, I'm I'm trying to be thankful, right? To be grateful. Yep. And just ride it out, but it's been a zoo in my life lately. So. Which is crazy that your yeah. business is so busy during this time of lockdown, because then you get both you get the dual edged sword of lockdown and super busy at work. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's almost like uh, COVID nineteen is not happening. Uh, but it still is. But it still is. You're a you realtor know. for a Dino Realty, 50th yes. in France location. And right now, so are people selling? Are people buying? What's happening? Both are happening uh, below the 400000 mark. Uh, they're still going with multiple offers. Uh, wow. You go way above that. And some people have pulled back a little bit. But yeah. I think because people are spending so much time in their homes right now, uh-huh. they're either fixing them up. Or they are deciding to move. Right. Like, let's, I really don't want to live here anymore. Let's get out of this place. And let's call our old friend, Sean. And it's been, I mean, it, I got a little emotional about it the other day because I was like, my gosh, I was expecting to be starving right now yeah. with COVID-19. And I feel very fortunate that friends and family and other people I know have reached out. Uh, a listener of the Brian Oak Show uh, reached out and said, hey, I'm not selling my place for a while, but would you consider working with me? I'm like, yeah, I'd consider it. 
<laughs> yes, I would. So would, anyway, not would to you like? Like, would you like to meet in 15 minutes? Yeah. Um, now, it's important to know about Sean. Sean and I share a lot of values. Uh, in addition to being uh, weirdo Irish kids who are yeah. now grown men, um, we also believe in supporting our local community. And a portion of every sale that you make, every transaction you make, goes to the Warming House, which is a nonprofit venue yes. in South Minneapolis that has, a, a, a t- let's be honest, a tiny strong, but a very small performance space in their basement. But it's intimate. I mean, you can't get more than, what, 50-some people down there. Yeah. Yeah, it's about, I think it's 49 is their max capacity, right. but it's so intimate. And I'm at that age and that time of my life. Yeah, I'll still go to I'll still go to the like, you know, a first half show or that sort of thing. But I'm not very interested in big stadium shows anymore. Right. Uh, very rarely will I do that. But this is my jam because people it's a listening room. Mm-hmm. People are there to listen to the music. You hear every instrument. And I've heard ever well, you were there with the current with a national performing artist. Um, but they just say it's so weird because people are looking at you. There's 49 people looking directly at you. You're right there. You can actually see them, unlike uh-huh. the big bigger shows where the lights are in their eyes. And and I just I, I I just absolutely love it. It's just good for my peace of mind. And and I love the owners. They're good people. I consider them good friends. And so anyway. Well, how do people get a hold of you if they're even beginning to? suggest or think about the idea of either selling their place or buying a new place uh 612-859-2594 feel free to call that number or you can send me a text uh yeah the person that i just talked to that's a listener and a friend uh she said we may not sell for two years but we need to start planning and start thinking about our projects that we need to get done i'm totally cool with meeting you and telling you a little bit more about the market and what's going on so anyway give me a call give me a text and uh, we'll get something set up We'll talk more about Smart Start MN uh, very shortly. Also, our good friends at Buster's and 28th, who, by the way, are still very much in business and very much serving good food. Also, curbside wine and liquor pickup. Not liquor, sorry. Wine and beer pickup. But yes. liquor thing maybe in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, just ahead, we're talking to Katie Tessman, local musician, mother, breast cancer survivor, and award-winning children's book author, which, now you know that I cry, but uh, I read it this morning, and it is so touching and so brilliant. When she was going through breast cancer, she had very small children and couldn't find a way to express to them oh. what was going on. They didn't have contacts, so she made the book that is the perfect tool. We'll talk more about that just ahead, but in the meantime, on a song that, another reason I cried today, you know, I, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm something of a crier, Sean, I don't know if you know that about me. Um, one of the greatest American songwriters we've ever had, and I don't believe that to be hyperbole because if you've ever listened to her music or seen her live, you know that it's true. I name somebody who is not only a better songwriter, but has a greater command of the song she sings, that incredible weapon of a voice that she has, and just the nature of what performance means, what music means. How To me, that's what this show is about, the intersection of human experience and the music that that, that amplifies it and fortifies it. And this song right here is impossible. So for all the moms out there, if you're lucky enough to still have your mom, call her this weekend. Maybe call her right now. And for those of you who are moms or one day will be moms, this song is as good as it gets. This is Brandy Carlisle with The Mother. Welcome to the end of being alone inside your mind You're tethered to another and you worry it all the time You always knew the melody 
but you never heard it right. She's fair and she is quiet, Lord. She doesn't look like me. She made me love the morning. She's a holiday at sea. The New York streets are as busy as they always used to be. But I am the mother of Evangeline. The first things that she took from me were selfishness and sleep. She broke a thousand heirlooms I was never meant to keep. She filled my life with color, canceled plans, and trashed my car. None of that was ever who we are. Outside of my windows are the mountains and the snow. I hold you while you're sleeping, and I wish that I could go. All my roadie friends are out accomplishing their dreams, but I am the mother of Evangeline. And they've still got their morning paper. Inside of the ages, through your eyes, you are not an accident where no one thought it through. The world that stood against us made us mean to fight for you. And when we chose your name, we knew that you'd fight the power too. You're nothing short of magical and beautiful to me. I'll never hit the big time without you. So they can keep their treasure and their ties to the machine. 'Cause I am the mother of Evangeline. They can keep their treasure and their ties to the machine. 'Cause I am the mother of Evangeline. It is, I imagine, like motherhood, both life-affirming and heart-wrenching, that particular song. Brandy Carlisle's The Mother off By The Way I Forgive You. I, you know, when that album first came out, I, when I was still working on the radio, I referred to it as the best album of her career. And that's a big statement because she's done nothing but put out amazing albums through her career. So I don't feel like when I said she's one of the greatest American songwriters of my lifetime that I was overstating the case. It doesn't feel like hyperbole. She is incredible, both live and on record. And I saw her for the very first time uh, last summer at the State Fair mm-hmm. and wept like a Brian Oak. I mean, it was un- <laughs> unbelievable how much I cried. During that show, and a friend of mine had just gone through a divorce as well, so that yeah. didn't help because she was heave crying, and I'm like yeah, I, crying next to well, her. Brandy Carlisle, it feels like she's singing directly to you. She's so great at connecting with her audience one to one, and telling feeling. the story, the right story, yes. right? Like, I mean, yes. like even there in the mother, I will never be a mother. I'm a father, but it's a different animal. It's a different story than being a mother. And somehow, I felt like I slipped right into the character, and she could not have articulated what 
what both the, the depth of love and the sacrifice involved is. It's just such a great song. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Did you ever have mother envy? Like wishing that you could go through that experience of childbirth because I did. I mean, I really. I, I, I my wife's like, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "No." I the the. I, I mean, to have a human being growing inside you and being able to give birth, I I personally think it would be absolutely incredible, and it's something that men don't get to do. But I've always thought, what an incredible, incredible experience. I live in true respect and awe of it. Yeah. But I'd never had what I would call envy because the thought of pushing something that big out of an aperture that small. Yeah. I got to be honest, I'm not envious of that experience. I was glad I was there for it. But the human being living inside you, that's pretty. Well, I mean, my gut, I feel like there's another human living inside me right now anyway. Now, before we we talk to today's guest, who is a mother and who has gone through the experience and so many more experiences, I do want to mention real quick, Smart Start MN is the primary sponsor of The Brian Oak Show. Their name is on our studio here in the heart of South Minneapolis. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company, which means basically this somebody has they make a bad choice they get a dui you get arrested it's going to be expensive you're going to lose your license you if you're lucky get away without hurting yourself or someone else because then it's really complex let's just say best case scenario you get pulled over you go to jail now you get back out and you've got to find a way to get back on the road smart start mn gets you back on the road sooner and for less money that you might imagine possible, and they're good guys. We know Mike, and we know Ed, and they're really good guys. They jumped on board before we recorded even episode one, and this is episode 54, and they've been with us the whole time. We appreciate the work they do. They clearly appreciate the work we do. Otherwise, they would still be here. But they're Minnesota's original. They are they're us. They're Minnesotans. If you're provincial and you want to do the right thing, whether it be for you, your friend, your brother-in-law, whoever the case may be, smartstartmn.com. And if you go there and click on what, The Brian Oak Show? Yeah, just go to smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show, okay. and that will take you uh, right to that page where you get 20% off the installation of the ignition uh, interlock system. And then you could, if you want to make it easier, you just go to brianoakshow.com and click on that banner, and it takes you directly to that page. Fantastic. Our thanks to Smart Start MN. Now I'd like to bring in today's guest uh, because she is a mom. She is a singer and loves to sing and has put out a CD before. She is a breast cancer survivor, and she has written an award-winning children's book called Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden as a means of expressing to small children what it's like when mama is not going through the best of times. Um, I've, I've known her really only online, and it's, it's really wonderful to welcome her to the conversation. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hi, Brian. I'm great. Wish I could be there and kiss you on the cheek. Well, I wish you could too, and that day may still come soon. I just, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in the camp of not rushing things. Now, before we talk about your story, I know that you, when you wrote this book, what a decade ago, you had two small children, and it was an effort to help explain to them what was happening to you, and you know the the hopefulness, the the sadness, all that stuff. But I want to talk about today, just for one minute, if you don't mind. These boys, mm-hmm. these boys of yours are now teenage boys, and you're having to do distance learning and suddenly become a teacher as well as a mom. Are you going crazy yet? Are you dying to get out of the house? Yes, it is quite a roller coaster of emotions. Absolutely. Some days we're like, woohoo, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. And then we realize, oh, 
we actually have to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the Brian Oak story right there. Yeah, no, my mom, uh, my mom, my wife, rather. And so we're doing this because it's Mother's Day, and you are a mom, and I, it just, this seemed like a good thing to do. You reached out to me about this. Before we get into the story of your journey with breast cancer and your kids and writing this book, where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in Brooklyn Center. I'm a northern suburban girl. My parents are now retired educators. So our summers were spent up north of Grand Rapids in Itasca County on a beautiful, crystal clear, freezing cold lake called Caribou Lake. And crystal clear and freezing is kind of how I like to think of northern Minnesota. I've spent a lot of time there myself. Not all my summers, but lots and lots of times. And there are times where you're like, I don't care. I want to smell like lake water. And you just jump into the lake because that's what you do in Minnesota when you're a kid. Yeah. When we were a kid, we actually drank the water. It was fine to use for drinking water. Yes. Yes. Mm. All right. So you grew up there and then you moved. I'm a a northern Minnesota girl, but then also a city girl. Yeah. I graduated from Cooper High School and in the Robbinsdale District. Sorry, sorry. I was trying to reach across the table there and it was hurting me. So you also, at some point, music became a part of your life. And although you don't tour or record these days, you did put out a full length record back in what, 2000, 2001? Yes. Yes. So I went to Moorhead State University. And um, when I graduated, I started working in um, theater arts, in marketing and communication. But I always was drawn to the stage. So I picked up the guitar. I took a couple of lessons from Schmidt Music. I started writing songs and um, formed a band called Joe's Elevator. And uh, Scott Shore and I Um, We went to college together, but became much better friends in our 20s when we were living in Minneapolis, started writing music, and then Tom Lear joined us on bass, and then Gail Walinga joined us on drums, and we recorded a CD, and then we broke up. Okay, well, (laughs) fantastic news. (laughs) Yes, and then um, I kept songwriting and uh, booking gigs. I was gigging about eight times a month. And um, small venues, coffee shops, and then the larger places like the Fine Line. And that's where I had my solo debut CD release, 11 songs, and uh, did some national tours, toured all the way out to Portland and Seattle, and then uh, went as far east as Sault Ste. Marie, (laughs) Michigan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, it was time to become a mom. And uh, my firstborn was uh, in 2003. Well, we are talking about Mother's Day because Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. And that's why today seemed like a good day to talk to you, because not only are you a mom, but being a breast cancer survivor and obviously the importance of you being a mom to two small kids is why you wrote your award winning book. Our mama is a beautiful garden. So you decide to settle down and become a mom and then you have a second child and for yep. me, you know, I, I've got to be honest. I've lost a couple friends. I know that we have a mutual friend in John Kemper. Your kids and his kids went to school together. I've lost a couple, yeah. I've lost a couple friends to cancer in the last two years who are right at my age. And that's way too mm-hmm. young. And I know that cancer, mm-hmm. cancer ravages so many people's lives. At what point and in what way did you 
become aware that you had breast cancer? Was there a history in your family? Was it a routine mammogram? Did you feel a lump? I mean, again, I, I, I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I'm asking the wrong question. Good question. I'm just, I'm so no, ignorant. Good I'm, question. I'm so ignorant about breast cancer. That's why I want you mm-hmm. to tell us, you know, how, how did it come about and, and what way do people begin to do this? Well, you know, when you're 50, you're supposed to get your first colonoscopy. Yep. And women, when they're 40, they're supposed to get their first mammogram. Some women get it earlier because they have history in their family. There is no family history of breast cancer in my family. So I was a month before my 40th birthday, 39 years old, going in to get my first mammogram because I wanted to get all the doctoring done and then just celebrate my 40th birthday. Um, At that time, my oldest was six years old and my youngest was three years old. And, um, okay, great. First mammogram. I had to go back. They found things, went in, got a biopsy, turned out to be cancer. I was floored. And then every like doctor checkup I had to figure out how, what the stage of the cancer was, what kind of, what of doctoring would I need? Uh, was it be just a lumpectomy or what? I just felt like I was sinking deeper, deeper, deeper in a dark hole. And it took a long time to find that bottom. But well, I mean, but, I was able to climb out. <laughs> well, obviously you were. I mean, I can hear it in your voice that it, it has not beaten you, and here you are. So this is, I mean, we're talking right around 2009, 2010, just over a decade yeah, 2009. ago? 2009. Okay, very yep. good. And it was my 40th birthday mm. that I had my double mastectomy. Wow. Okay. I mean, so that's what I mean about when you said you hit bottom, like finding out is a devastating news blow. And then you have your doubles and mastectomy and then you've got to go through chemo and then you've got to go through reconstruction as you did. You don't have to, but that's what you mm-hmm. did. And mm-hmm. you also at this time are a mom of two small children. Now, again, I only mm-hmm. have the one child and I got to be honest, it was never simple, but I never had to survive cancer and chemo and all the things that are involved, but I've had to watch a lot of people go through those things Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the heaviness and especially when your kids are young I mean I think that's why you wrote your book our mama is a beautiful garden because you were trying to find a way to contextualize what was happening to you for these kids you know you you felt hopeful you felt deep love for them but I'm sure there had to be fear and I'm sure there had to be days where you did not feel good at all and you were trying to find Mm -hmm. a way to articulate this to them and you said you went looking for a book and there wasn't one out there so you amidst all this other chaos you wrote one yes yeah so like what Sean was saying about childbirth and how miraculous that is and it is amazing and that's a superpower that only women have Mm -hmm. and then I breastfed my boys, so I was stripped of that superpower as well. So I was devastated. And the first thing I would do is I look for books. So I took my La Leche League book off my shelf and started to research, how am I going to explain this to my kids? And I wanted to stay strong. I wanted them to know I was going to overcome it. I did not want them to think I was going to die because they knew what cancer was. My oldest knew what cancer was because it's, it's so, um, it's, it's happening so much. So, um, 
I couldn't find a book. I went to the library. All the books about cancer, explaining it to kids, was about saying goodbye to a grandparent. And that was not the message I want to send. So I started describing it as a bad weed in my garden. And the three of us spend a lot of time outside. And so my kids understood. And we would pull dandelions out, and we'd see that big, long root. So then they understood that mama's garden needed to be rebuilt with something where cancer would not grow back. Mm -hmm. And so I described it to them and they, they stayed positive because they took my lead of staying positive. And yes, we had bad days. And yes, I would tell them that they don't get to rub my back when I'm barfing, (laughs) (laughs) uh, which I got really good at. Um, totally lost all my body hair and did all of the reconstruction. And at the end, when I was starting to feel like I was blooming again, I realized I wrote the book. And so then I pursued um, self-publishing it. Well, before we talk more about the book, which I definitely want to do, I would like to hear your musical selection for today and why it matters to you. One of the things we insist on doing every time we have a podcast is letting the guests pick music, whether it be their own or something that means something to them. And so we will continue talking to Katie Tessman about the book, Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden, and her journey through all this up until today. But first, I want to know, because I love this artist, you know, my 25 years in radio, I had the privilege of interviewing her twice and she was so kind she's a little tired you know I mean I I think that when you reach a certain level you get tired of doing radio promotion but she was so kind and she was so generous and she was such a brilliant storyteller and she's up there with me rather for me with Brandy Carlisle in terms of being both a talented songwriter and a very, very effective storyteller who knows how to send that energy back and forth, who knows how to get you involved in the story she's telling and commit to a particular song. She's not ever irritated or too busy to, to invest in what she does. And you've chosen a song by Sean Colvin. Why this one? Well, when I was songwriting, Sean Colvin was very inspiring to me. And when I became a mom, everything stopped and I focused on being a mom. And this song that we're going to play is about that for her. It was her joy of becoming a mother. But then the person she was before she was a mom, she kind of misses. But she's really happy now, but she loved herself before, too. So it's. Becoming a parent is a transformation, and this is what that song is about. I can 
find my way to stay and I can't see my way to go and I won't give up without a fight but I can pack myself up in a matter of minutes and leave you all far behind all of my old world and all the things in it are hard to Afraid of all this blood in my heart, and if there's one thing certain, it's there ain't nothing for sure. And I wanna run, but I can't do that anymore. I can't meet you halfway, and I can't have it my way. I won't give. Without a fight, but I could pack myself up in a matter of minutes and leave you all far behind. All of my whole world and all the things in it are hard to find. And all of my whole world and all the things in it are hard to find. Like this.
There are few clearer voices or better songwriters oh. than Sean Colvin on planet Earth. I put Sarah McLaughlin in the same camp. Even oh, yeah. though Sarah McLaughlin probably had a little more commercial success, I remain a deep and abiding fan. Um, just incredible. Sean Colvin's voice, man, is just so pure. We'll get back to our guest, Katie Hessman, author of Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden in just a moment. But first, time to thank another sponsor, and that would be Buster's on 28th. They are, you know... People, when they first started up, called them a gastropub only because they took such great pride in their food. To me, gastropub was an immediate turnoff. I mean, I was like, I don't want to eat puffin feet. You know, I don't, I don't want to. Me neither. You know, I, but but that, but that's what I think of when I think of gastropub. I'm like, oh, garlic infused. Puffin feet that have been sous vide. Like I, I don't you know like that's that. a delicacy over. Yeah, in no. Blah, so blah, blah, so blah. I've heard. But what they do instead at Buster's is they make like a a killer bison burger. Like that's oh. not overly arded. Got a nice little smooth paste of aioli on it, it's, and it's so good. It's so good. Or their in-house made potato chips, whatever it is, and that Cubano still reigns supreme. And now they also do curbside with beer and wine. So you call Buster's on Twenty Eighth and say, "I'll take a Cubano, take a Bison burger." And you know, if those don't, if those don't appeal to you, they have lots of other things on the menu that are equally good. And you're like, "And I'll take a." four pack of that and this much wine and off you go to enjoy the rest of your day and you support local businesses you and i sean have talked about how recently we're losing places man and we're losing them at way oh, too fast rate and it's to be expected if they can't be, restaurants already operate on such a thin margin they do yeah. not having anyone there and you know when you talk about reopening and these places that keep talking about reopening like, but only at 50 percent capacity well, then basically what you're doing is saying you can reopen and continue to lose money, but you're also going to lose any sort of state funding or relief funding you might get, and then you're guaranteed to close. So I just please support the local businesses that you love, whatever they might be. In this case, Buster's on 28th. Yeah, buy gift cards, too, even gift cards for mom, and uh, maybe even get some curbside to go on Mother's Day. Make that one of your meals for Mother's Day. Like, I've already I've already realized with my mom, I can't see her on Mother's Day, right? Yeah. Like, it just, my parents are both in their 70s, and maybe I'm carrying. Who knows, right? Even if I wear a mask, yeah. I'm not willing to risk my parents' lives. I love them too much. Mother's yeah. Day is coming up on Sunday. However, one of the things you can do is go grab a little curbside to go. Drop it off at mom's and say, hit that, mom. Ring the doorbell and run like hell. Yeah, and don't leave a flaming bag of poop. Leave instead (laughs) a a, a gigantic bag of flamingly delicious food. Bustersontwentyeighth.com if you want to know more. And my thanks to Busters on 28th for not only enriching my neighborhood, because I live just blocks from them, uh, but also for staying on board at the Brian Oak Show. Let's continue talking with Katie Tessman here. Katie Tessman is musician, mom, breast cancer survivor, uh, author, award-winning author, by the way, of Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden Katie, I would like to, here's the deal, you know, we've all lost people to cancer, and I do know cancer survivors as well. Now you, I get to count among that lucky class, you had your breast cancer a decade ago. Are you to this day still cancer-free? I am, yes. Just on my birthday, my birth date is my cancer-free date. Really? So I just wow. celebrated 10 years cancer-free. Congratulations. Well, That's happy phenomenal. birthday, happy cancer-free day, and happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I wanted to read some passages from Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden, but earlier when Sean said he cried like a Brian Oak, my problem <laughs> is is I really I really am a crier, and so I started to read a couple of them. I'm like, <laughs> this would be beautiful. This would be amazing. So instead, I'm yeah. going to sort of just sort of paraphrase what you've done with this book, which has won a couple of awards, 
I, and also went to a second edition, which is fantastic. You know, for kids mm-hmm. who are going through, I think maybe even if it's not breast cancer, although it's pretty specific to breast cancer, for young children who are going through mm-hmm. that process, who maybe don't have the context and are scared. This thing mm-hmm. puts you, you, you when you call our mom is a beautiful garden, you know, you refer to the cancer as a dangerous weed and you continue with the garden metaphor throughout the book. And it's really beautiful. It's really powerful. And I think that it speaks to even the smallest children who we read books to like growing up, my daughter and I. I'd snuggle into her little bed with her every single night and we would read books and she'd always roll over and be like, one more. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. come on. Know, I think we can't do eight books every night. And so, you know, this book right here, though, for anybody who is going through the process or knows someone who's going through it, this is a powerful book. I can see why it's an award winner. Did this all just, I mean, because it's told from the perspective of your two little boys. Is is it a Lewis, a Louie, or a Lou? What does he go by? Lewis. Lewis. All right. Very yep, good. My, my oldest son is Lewis. My youngest son is Maxwell. And I wrote it in their voices. Uh-huh. So they're telling the story. So you and Sean, you know, you could be Lewis and Sean could be Maxwell. And you oh, could read a couple pages aloud. Yeah, I, um, I thought about that. But it's hard for me to read when I'm blubbering out loud. Make them do it. Here's what I'm going to do. No, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell people the metaphors are powerful. And when told from the perspective of children, you know, the help you get from neighbors, the help you get from grandma and grandpa, um, the mm-hmm, experience mm-hmm. of them having to let their anger out by punching out the clown balloon and using foam swords to get the frustration out, being scared when they're at school about what mom's going through, uh, you know, because first of all, there's there's the cancer, then there's, you know, the mastectomy, then there's the chemo, then there's the reconstruction. You know, these are all phases and waves. And to a child, when you're that age, it seems to go on. I'm sure it seemed like it went on forever for you as well. But for yeah. them, they need solace. They need breaks in the action, as I'm sure you did as well. This book provides mm-hmm. that. I think it's a really beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely want it to be something where children can sit with a grown-up and read it, and then at, at, when they get to that page about being angry, I want the adult to look at the kid and say, hey, are you mad? And the kids can say, yeah, I'm mad, like Lewis is mad. And then they put the book down, and they can make like a couch cushion tower and whop it, get their anger out, and then put the couch back together, sit back down, and then continue reading the book. And saying, oh, looks like Max's grandma and grandpa were helping. Isn't that funny how grandpa is bald? Yeah, that's funny. My grandpa's not bald. And then there's the page about talking about all the people that love you. I want grownups to talk to kids about all the people that love them. And if if the kid can't list anything, then that grownup knows that they need to start pointing out to the child how many people love you. In fact, I have friends that have tweens that have gifted this book. Um, and the, te- and the tweens have really been able to connect with this book and think about their mother who's fighting cancer and, um, how Lewis and Max can do it. So can I. And Katie, this is Sean, you know, my, my mother, uh, battled breast cancer and as a survivor. My mother-in-law had breast cancer and as a survivor. My aunt had breast cancer and as a survivor. And recently, mm-hmm. my sister-in-law is a breast cancer survivor. 
varying stages for and each one of them. And it doesn't sound like that was a bloodline. It's all no, that's a checkerboard. No, right it, there. it, it yeah. wasn't. And 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 no matter they were if they were stage zero or stage three, it is mm-hmm. so scary. And what I what I admire about you with this is the fact that not only did you reach out to say how do I when I'm going through this how do I help my sons, but then you took mm-hmm. it this gigantic leap forward to say, how do I serve other people with this? So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I I know that this changed your life, but did you have that Mm -hmm. in your foundation of just giving back and helping others? And this just kind of took it, gave you a purpose or a meeting or how, how did this change your life? Um, Well, it has, it's become part of my identity, which I really did not want to be part of that club at all. Yeah. Um, life gave me lemons. And so it is in my nature to make lemonade. I do look for the silver lining. I do focus on the good. Um, and I am so grateful to all of the women that went through this terrible ordeal before me and all of the medical research that was done. It, and I got on a path and it worked for me. Every woman's body is different. Every cancer is different. Um, But I am so grateful for everybody before me that knew how, you know, the people who took tamoxifen um, for five years and then the people who took it for 10 years, we figured out, oh, the survival rate is, is bigger if you take it for 10 years. So during my after journey, my oncologist said, oh, I just got new studies you're going to stay on this for another five years. And I just have to say, okay, because I trust my oncologists to know what the current research is. So yeah, I working with people and communicating and then sharing stories is really important. Really important. I think that, um, you know, again, I am not an oncologist. I am not a doctor, but I've, I've had, I've, I've had enough cancer survivors and losses in my life to know that mm-hmm. the stories are important and the positivity is important. I'm not saying that we should, you can't turn your back on science and medicine. I am an abject, mm-hmm. deep believer in science, but I also believe in the power of positive thinking. Now I'm not saying thoughts and prayers. I, I that stuff can go by the wayside. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the individual. There has to be a level of hope and belief inside yourself which clearly you carry and i've seen people the you know it hasn't always worked but i've seen people who it's changed the direction of their stories katie i want to ask you having gone through this journey i know that especially with breast cancer early detection is crucial and the the numbers are staggeringly better with early detection is it self-examination is it making sure that you start getting mammograms at 40 maybe earlier What, what would you say to make sure that women can A, avoid it, or B, if they do find they're heading down this path. And I know that some men get breast cancer, but it's Mother's Day. We're Mm -hmm. talking about women Mm -hmm. this time. What do Mm -hmm. you think is the Mm -hmm. best path for women to take to make sure that early detection is there in case there's something there? Listen to your gut. If for some reason you think something's not right, go get it checked out. Don't avoid it. With me, my lump, my main lump was a but nobody could feel it. So it was a routine mammogram that found it. And I had six other spots in one breast. Nobody could feel any lumps. Mm. So if you listen to your gut, if you're thinking, hmm, something doesn't feel right, 
Go check it out. And so when you say something doesn't feel right, like you just, you feel like other symptoms, you feel off in other ways, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty in tune with my body. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I have no idea. I thought that the person that, that took my mammogram, I thought she was new and she made a mistake <laughs> and needed me to stay to take more pictures. And I thought, oh, that's fine. I'm a perfect person for you to practice on because I'm so forgiving and jolly and <laughs> willing to help. But no, there was something there. Um, and denial. Oh, is that a comfortable place to live or what? So uh, it's, it's really tough. Um, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to think about what we're putting in our bodies, the food we're eating, what we're putting on our bodies, the deodorant that we're using. And so, you, Brian, you've got a daughter. Sean, you have a daughter, right? Correct. Make sure they don't use aluminum-filled deodorant. Make them use just lemon juice or <laughs> essential oils or just smell natural. There's, there's a reason why we are the way we are. Right. Why do we have to cover up our natural beings? It could make cancer because breasts are like sponges. They're just going to absorb whatever you put on your armpit and then try to uh, interpret what it is. And then that's, that's what I blame my cancer on. I kind of needed to figure out what I was going to point at. Right. And it was the deodorant. I don't know. It, well, well and, and there's there's no yeah. way to know because even people who have never smoked a lick in their life die of lung cancer. <laughs> cancer. Right. Cancer is a virulent, evil monster that hopefully one day we'll have the answer for. But there are so many different kinds. It comes in so many different ways. And I don't, you know, there are some things that obviously lead to cancer. And then there are people who get mm-hmm. it that didn't do anything wrong. They did, they did all the right things. And yep. it's, it's still, yep. it still claims them. Sometimes young, sometimes old. You know, there are babies with leukemia. And so it just, yeah. I, I, I hate cancer so much. Uh, yeah. But I'm glad glad that your journey has had a better story so far. So 10 years in, mm-hmm. you were 10 years cancer free. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Katie Tessman, the author of Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden. I'm sure once we're allowed to go back to bookstores, people can find it there. In the meantime, if someone would like to get their hands on it, what's the best place to find you? Where are you centrally located online? I have a website. It's my name, katietessman.com. I'm going to spell it's it. Katie with a Y. Yep, K-A-T-Y. T-E-S-S-M-A-N. Yep. And it's also available on Amazon, but there's a lot of um, second retailers that have gotten the copy and are trying to sell it. A lot of copies have been purchased as a donation. So I bring a stack, well, I used to, to my oncology when I um, had my checkups. Mm -hmm. I've donated books and they they pass them out to, to women that are newly diagnosed and have little kids. So if people want to purchase one that could be donated, they're also distributed through Hope Chester Breast Cancer. They could do that. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, Katie, we need to wrap up the show, but it has been delightful catching up with you. I am very happy to hear that you are now 10 years cancer free. I also am very sorry that you're having to have your kids do distant learning and school at home because <laughs> that only adds to the drama of an already dramatic yeah. time. But, you know, you have the right kind of spirit about all this stuff. And I know we're all going to see this through to the other side. I just hope we're patient. We don't rush back to it. And we all just continue mm-hmm. to breathe. 
breathe. To me, I am not a deeply spiritual guy. I am not a yoga guy. But I do find that every time I start to feel my shoulders up around my ears, if I just take 30 seconds and do nice, slow, even breathing, I feel better. Mm -hmm. And you get a chance to think. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be fixed. I'm still going to be broke on the other side of it. But Mm -hmm. you're you're better served to approach whatever drama is or whatever is in front of you if you're relaxed and focused and at your best self. So, Katie, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Katie. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. They're doing some wonderful things. Oh, and they they have and will continue to do so because there are mothers coming up who are going into a world that we can't imagine uh, in the not-too-distant future and as hard and as much sacrifice and patience and love as mothers have had to exhibit so far. Those, those limits may be stretched even further. Katie, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you both so much. Again... Katie Tessman, you can find her at katietessman.com, K-A-T-Y-T-E-S-S-M-A-N. Our mama is a beautiful garden. I really did. I thought, you know, her idea of you and I reading the two different voices of the young boys. Yeah. Uh, I, I I can't cry anymore today. You know, here, here, in, here in Brandy Carlisle's The Mother and then reading this book this morning. I, I read through it twice this morning. And again, it's not because it's a hopeful book. But man, making kids, three-year-olds try to understand the ravages of cancer. No. Just too much. Well, it's been a really positive episode, episode 54. <laughs> it was a positive episode. Look at all she's doing to help other people. I know so she cool. is. I know. So but cool. We started with the death of Florian Schneider from Kraftwerk, and then we're talking about breast cancer surviving. But really, this was supposed to be our Mother's Day episode. And Katie Tessman, I don't know, man. I mean, given what she went through, the fact that she's as bright and upbeat as she is, you'd be lucky to have her as your mom. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day to my mom and to my wife mm-hmm. and to your happy, mom and your wife happy, as well. Yeah. Happy bir- birthday. Oh, my God. Happy Mother's Day to my wife and to my mom. I have the best mom on the planet. And um, wow. easy guy. You want to go? You wanna, I you do want to I'll go. tell you what. We'll have our moms fight. And then we'll see who has the best mom. I like my chances. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, never mind. My mom would hate that I offered that for her. When we go, though, we are going to say goodbye to one more incredible artist. Now, not a household name. And this song, even though it went to number two back in 1964, not really ever one of those that, like, popped up all the time on on classic hits radio, you know? Um, But an important song because she was a Jamaican singer. So in Jamaica... Before reggae became a thing, before dance hall, I mean, it was during the dance hall era. We're going back to 1964 here. Um, And in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, there was that second wave two-tone ska in the UK because so many Jamaican artists had moved to Britain. Um, This was one of the early hits that brought dance hall to the UK. Without this song's influence, in my humble opinion, I don't think that second wave of two-tone ska we got with bands like Madness and the Specials would have really happened. And her name was Millie Smalls. And she, again, not a household name. And no, does she belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. Does she deserve a, a space in the firmament? Maybe one of the smaller constellations. Would you allow her to visit the Rock and Roll Hall? Absolutely, I would. But she was a Jamaican star. She did very well, but she just died at the age of 72 after suffering a stroke. And I know that we're of the age that a lot of these things that mattered to us, this is only going to happen more and more frequently. So I don't want to sound like the angel of death. I'm really trying to celebrate 
her legacy because in 1964, again, 1964, there were still laws in place that not everybody could use the same bathroom. Not everybody could use the same drinking fountain. But this incredible, young, brilliant, and her teeth are perfect if you look (laughs) online. She's unbelievable. She's beautiful. Her name was Millie Smalls, and this was really her only hit of any significant note, but it did go to number two, both in the U.S. and in the U.K., so it was a hit. It's called My Boy Lollipop. We'll see you next time on The Brian Oak Show.